So this morning, we're beginning a sermon series called Come to the Table. In this series, we'll be reading a number of texts from the Gospel of Luke, and all of these texts will have in common that, that Jesus shares a meal with people in them. And Jesus sharing a meal with people is a surprisingly significant theme in the Gospel of Luke, as we'll see over the coming months. And through these texts, we'll see a couple movements. One movement will be that Jesus comes to us. And Jesus invites all of us to come to the table, to experience his hospitality, to, to grow in our connection and our fellowship with him. And then along with that, Jesus equips and encourages us to bring other people to the table, to invite others to come and experience true community and, and true fellowship. The Lord is generously hospitable to us, and he equips us to be generously hospitable to others. So we're going to be paying attention to those themes over the coming months. And we're beginning this morning with a reading from Luke chapter 5. Hear the word of the Lord to us this morning. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." We're going to walk through this text in three parts today, and our, our first part will be give up yourself. My economics teacher in high school had us play this game one day, and the instructions are a little bit complicated, so pay close attention here for a minute, okay? He divided all of us up into groups of three, and there were ten rounds in this game, and for each round, we had to hide our paper from our partners or opponents, depending on how the game went, and we had to draw either an up arrow or a down arrow in one of 10 boxes. And we'd go through a 10 rounds. And if we drew an up arrow and everyone else drew an up arrow, we'd all get five points. If we all drew down arrows, no one would get any points. But if the other two people did up arrows and we did a down arrow, then we got 10 points and they lost 10 points. So basically, I know that's a little complicated. You're looking a little lost. But basically, if we all cooperated, we all win. If we all try to fight each other, we all lose. If the other two people cooperate and I go rogue, then I win. So it's a game of balancing selfishness versus cooperation. And, and you can probably guess how this goes for most groups. My group had Dave, who was kind of a punk kid, and, you know, the big, big jeans and all that, and... And then we had Nate, who had this huge mohawk, and, and then there was me, and we all got along okay, but, but we didn't cooperate real well. You know, we all started out saying, oh, of course, up arrow, we'll all agree, we'll do the whole thing together, everyone wins. And then the first round, we all did the opposite thing, and we said, well, that didn't work, let's try again. And then we tried again, and that time, two of us cooperated, and one of us went rogue, and so he got 10 points, and we lost 10 points, and that's the way it went for the whole 10 rounds, that we, we kept on fighting, and then we'd agree, and then one of us would go rogue, and, and it just didn't go well. 
And that's how it went for pretty much all the groups. We were all wrapped up in our own self-interest. We were all paying attention to our own little world and, and trying to beat everybody else. And that is, that is the so-called truth, the fundamental reality that we often live by. It is my own best interests that matter the most. I am my own. I am autonomous and independent, and I choose my way. I do what is best for me and myself. And you know, often we think we're in control of our lives, and we think we can, we can pull it together, and we can do what we need to do to advance ourselves. In our text for today, we begin with Levi the tax collector, who is who's in business for himself. In the eyes of his contemporaries, he's a sellout. You can imagine his family thinking, we're all in this together, there's these Roman overlords, but, but we're going to resist. We're not going to serve those powers. And, and then Levi comes along and he says, well, they pay pretty well. They pay pretty well. I, I could get into this game. And so Levi sells his soul to the Roman authorities, which is pretty much the equivalent of selling his soul to the devil in the world of that time. And Levi, as we encounter him in this text, he's sitting by the side of the road in a tax booth, and, and his job is to stop people who are passing along the road and, and to make them a bit poorer, to take some money. And he has to give a certain amount to the Roman authorities, but, but he gets to keep any amount beyond that for himself. And so if you go by Levi, he's going to stop you, and he's going to He's going to lighten your purse. He's going to make your life a little more miserable and his life a little bit better. He's going to keep on playing the game for his own interests and and for all the loss of social respect and whatever that you might have to suffer. Tax collectors made a lot of money back then. They did pretty well for themselves. Now in this text, Jesus comes along And he singles Levi out. Most people would have not made eye contact, tried to get by without any trouble. But Jesus goes to this guy who's in business for himself, and Jesus gives Levi this invitation. Follow me. Follow me. And there's a lot packed into those two words. Jesus is not asking Levi for a small donation. He's not asking him to to change his trajectory a little bit. Jesus is asking Levi to give up everything. To reset the whole trajectory of his life. To give up himself. And Jesus is calling us to the same thing. Jesus calls us to follow him, and and on the one side, that means giving up everything. It means giving up ourselves, and then it means paying attention to Jesus, focusing on Jesus, making all of our lives all about him. In that economics class, before the game that we played, Mr. Carson, the teacher, he very clearly explained the game. He had us do a couple practice rounds. And then before we begin, he asks everybody, so what's the best strategy for this game? What is the best strategy for this game? And, and a couple of students raise their hands and sort of shamefacedly say, 
well, the best strategy is to trick everybody else so you win every round, so you end up with the most points and they lose big. And two or three people give different variations of that, and and they talk about different ways how you might be able to trick the other people in your group so they keep on trusting you so that you can win. And Mr. Carson says, yeah, yeah, that's one strategy. How many times do you think the other people in your group are going to believe you before they just stop? And that everyone kind of has to say, well, not that many times. And then Mr. Carson says, yeah, that's right, but let me tell you how you can all win. And then he lays out for us that if you all agree and you all do this one thing the whole time, you'll end up with this many points and the total will be this many. And this, this is really the way that you're going to do best in this game. So he, he basically gives us the answer key. He says, if you do this, this is going to be your best result. It's not too often the teacher gives you the answers before the test, right? Well, in this text, Jesus comes to Levi and he gives him the answers. He gives him the optimal strategy. He says, follow me. When Jesus comes to Levi, he graciously and lovingly invites him to to shift the focus from just getting ahead himself, to shift the focus from everything being about him to finding a bigger world, to following someone who will bring him places that he could not get on his own. And then, and there's, there's no space for this in the text, but, but we can imagine a moment of Levi deciding, of Levi reflecting, is he going to hold on to everything that's identified his life up to this point? Is he going to keep on seeking his own interests, or, or is he going to give all that up and, and follow Jesus and keep on paying attention to him and, and find transformation in his life? And Levi gets up, and the text tells us that he leaves everything behind. He leaves his tax booth, he leaves his occupation, he leaves all the decisions he has made in his life up to that point behind all his other commitments, everything, and he follows Jesus. And then the next thing he does in this text is he throws a great big party. He holds this banquet to celebrate Jesus. And Jesus comes to each of us. And we probably are, most of us, not tax collectors, but, but he comes to each of us and he invites us to follow him. And this is an invitation that Jesus offers in the big picture of our lives, with with the whole trajectory of our lives. Are we going to follow him or not? But then Jesus also comes to us every day, and in the moment by moment, he invites us to follow him. If you've never decided to follow Jesus, then then you face this life-defining choice. Do you get up and follow or not? But even for those of us who have decided to follow Jesus, we we still have this choice to face every single day. And I realize that I'm about to ask a question that none of you want to hear. For all of us in different ways, our, our lives are full. And there is never enough time and there is never enough energy to go around and we're exhausted and And we've got things to do. And I've been there and I've done that and it's real. 
But for all that we feel like life happens to us and we just have to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, we do have a choice in what we pay attention to. And in your day-to-day life, are you really paying attention to Jesus? Are you really being intentional every single day to to shape your life, to shape your day, to shape moment by moment by following Jesus? Or are you kind of just drifting along, mostly doing your own thing? Maybe the biggest challenge, and I do mean this, maybe the biggest challenge that we face as Christians here and now is this question. Will we pay attention to Jesus? And not will we give him sort of half-hearted, grudged attention, but will we actually get up and follow Jesus with everything that we have? Will we put Jesus at the center of our day-to-day lives? And on some level for all of us, even if we want to believe in Jesus with all our heart, I think that often we are actually wrapped up in our own concerns. And our day-to-day lives look like we're still holding on to ourselves and our own interests and what we want and not really following Jesus. Following Jesus means a radical one-time change, but But then following Jesus means that we keep on radically changing all the time. All the time, Jesus is coming to us and saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And every day we face a new opportunity to choose whether we're going to continue on our own trajectory whether we're going to serve our own interests or whether we're going to pay attention to Jesus and go the way that he calls us to go. And as we, as we pay attention to Jesus, a natural outflowing of that as we grow closer to the Lord is that we make room for others. Jesus invites us to come to the table to find renewal and refreshment in him. And the more we are at the table of the Lord, the more we are able to to make room, to move over, to find space for other people in our lives. Levi was a tax collector. He lived by getting from others. But then in this banquet, after he begins to follow Jesus, he throws this huge party, this huge, huge party, this great banquet. And part of that is just to celebrate what the Lord has done in his life, but part of it Part of it is to bring other people in, to make room for others, to show them how Jesus can change their lives too. And so Levi invites other tax collectors, and and the the text says that he invites tax collectors and others. Levi has chosen to pay attention to Jesus, and he, he wants other people to do that too. Levi's response is one of joy. But the Pharisees in this text, their response is one of grumbling. And the Greek for grumbling is kind of guganizen, guganizen. You sort of get that sense that they're in the corner, why? 
And the text itself says that the people who come to Levi's banquet are tax collectors and others, but when we get to the Pharisees, they call them tax collectors and sinners. Not others, not people, but sinners. The Pharisees have no room for anybody who doesn't measure up to their standards. They have no room for the stranger, for the other. Those people are out there and they don't belong. But Levi, having found Jesus, or having been found by Jesus himself, makes room for others. And Jesus, at the end of our text, offers his own take on this, and he says, and I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus says, I haven't come to people who think they're okay. I haven't come to people who, who think they don't need anything, but I've come to people who know their own need. I've come to people who know that, that on their own they're morally and spiritually bankrupt. I've come to people who've played the game and who realize that even when they win, they lose. And I'm inviting them to play the game a different way. To come to my table, to be transformed, and then to make room for others. So let's talk a bit this morning about how we can make room for others. And we'll come back to this theme at different points in this sermon series. But today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and, and tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And, and so for today, I want us to reflect especially on how, how we can make room for people whose very lives are marginal and even threatened. Our culture more and more wants us to lead blinkers, blinkered lives that are just focused on our own gain and don't take account of other people. And we, well, our nation doesn't want to see, doesn't want to see those on the edge. And so we've said, and I know this isn't we like us, but, but we as a culture have said that if an unborn baby is an inconvenience, that we just do away with them. If a pregnancy comes at the wrong time or doesn't fit with someone's life plan, then just, just get rid of the little one. They don't matter. We have not made room for these little ones. And even when we care for the unborn and we advocate for them, often we... We neglect to help others who are part of those difficult situations. Sometimes we, even as the church, have vilified those who have chosen to have abortions, and instead of showing them the grace and the freedom and the forgiveness of Christ, we have, we have turned our backs on them. And when we think of children who are born and who are unwanted and abandoned and and how much do we as a church step into those gaps and care for those in need? We have not made enough room for those in difficult circumstances in life. And then if we think of the end of life, we more and more segregate the elderly out in, into their own communities and into their own spaces and, and we avoid them. And we act like the realities of age will never strike us, and we idolize youth. And, and so those who seem like a burden or an inconvenience are just pushed off to the margins. We have not made room for those who have passed the prime of life. 
And in so many ways, we have not cared well for the poor, for the alien, the immigrant, for those whose economic background and skin color don't match ours. In so many ways, we have not made room. And not, not all of us can address all of those challenges, right? None of us have the capacity on our own to do all of that. But we do all have, have a calling to make room for others in our lives. We have work to do in providing for babies and children and, and, and mothers who nobody wants to take care of. We have, we have the call to make room for those who have made terrible wrong choices but, but who are not beyond the grace of Christ. But we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. We have this incredibly powerful default that, that even if we try to make room for others, we still we still most of all keep ourselves safe. We still most of all serve our own interests. We're willing to give, but only so much because we only have so much. On our own, we can't make room for others. When that economics game that I played that so many years ago, basically nobody really listened to the teacher's advice. We'd try it for a bit, but then someone would think, hey, I've earned their trust again. Now I can really take them to the cleaners. But there was one group. There was one group that when we got to the end of the game, they said, yeah, all the way through, we just agreed, and so everybody got 50 points, and, and we all won. And, and our teacher just about fell over. In years and years of teaching this course, maybe he taught it 30 or 40 times, there had never before been a group that actually got along the whole time. Never. Hundreds of groups, and all of them had fought and fought and fought. But this one group actually worked together the whole way through. And when he asked them how and why they managed that, they just said, well, I, I don't know. It just made sense. Not much of an answer, right? But then as I looked at this group, I saw there was a deeper explanation. It was three guys who were on the basketball team and the baseball team and the soccer team and all the teams they could possibly be on. They were on together. And they studied together and they tried to take all their classes together and they played together and, and they were pretty much best friends. And so they sat down as a group that cared about each other and, and so the game didn't really matter to them. The game just didn't really matter and so they were happy to say, yeah, sure, let's just let's share the prize. And so they actually took their pieces of paper and passed them around the group, and they let other people fill out their own paper. They trusted each other enough. They had enough of a reserve that, that they could say, you, you do that, I'll do this, let's take care of each other. And the only way, the only way that really we can really make room for others the only way that we can step out of the game of making sure that we're taken care of before we take care of other people is if we are in a relationship where we are so well taken care of that we have all the margin we need. And the only relationship that can provide that for us is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you hear this call to make room for others today and you, as probably most of us say deep, deep down, you say, I can't do it. I can't give up what I have. I, 
I can't follow Jesus. Those other people are just too strange. I just can't do it. Welcome to reality. That is where all of us live. But the deeper reality, the great truth that makes this community possible and and makes it possible for us to gather others closer to Jesus is that Jesus has come to us and He equips us through His power, through His Spirit to bring others in. Jesus calls us to follow Him and when we follow Him, He always gives us enough to make room for others. So here's your invitation for this week and for the coming months. Pay attention to Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus. Come to the table of the Lord. Feast on what He provides. And out of what He provides, we will have enough to make room for others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made room for us. We thank you that through the work of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to follow you. And Father, we pray that you give each of us a sense of the abundant resources that are available in Jesus. Help us to know that in Jesus we have enough for our salvation that That when we pay attention to Him, we truly get everything that we need. And Father, help that sense to overflow into into generous hospitality, into lives of abundance where we are so secure and, and so well provided for in You that we can share everything that we have with those in need. Lord, we are grateful that You have brought us into Your fellowship We pray that you work in us so that we can share hospitality with others. Amen.